Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to, um, well, you know what? Before you open up your Bibles to 1 Kings, let's open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read uh, beginning in verse 5 through 13 as we're going to be talking about wisdom. And uh, as you're opening your Bibles to Proverbs, uh, if you're moving through 1 Kings, keep a uh, a thumb or a, a bookmark there because we're going to go back to First Kings. But here we're going to begin to read in, uh, in uh, verse 5 in Proverbs chapter 4. So let's go ahead and uh, begin so now. It says, or get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is a principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding, exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take from hold of instruction, do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. You know, as we look at this, right, as we look at wisdom, I'm going to give you the, just the points that it makes there. It says that wisdom pr preserves you. Imagine that. It preserves you. It also says that it, it retains you. It says that it promotes you. It states that it honors you. It brings you honor. It states that it brings grace upon you. It states that wisdom will crown you. It says that wisdom will give you a long, good life. It states that your steps will not be hindered. It says when you run, you won't stumble. And it goes on to say that wisdom is the key to your life. Think about that. This is how important wisdom is. See, and the wisdom that we're talking about here is the wisdom from God. It's not the earthly wisdom, as we know from James chapter 3, verse 15. But this wisdom from above is, is the wisdom of God, the wisdom that the Lord desires that each and every one of us would be in our lives, that we would yield to it. And, and as you can see, the things that wisdom brings us, I know that when I walked in earthly wisdom, I, my life was a mess, and I believe that every single one of us would agree that without divine wisdom, our lives are a mess. But when I surrendered myself to the Lord, and, and it's just not saying, you know what, a simple prayer, it's truly when you walk in obedience, it's when you have a fear of the Lord, that the Lord imparts wisdom upon you. And maybe there's some of you here today that are still making decisions with earthly wisdom. And this is what God wants to speak to us today and to remind us how important it is to ask God for wisdom. And as we read here in Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to receive these things that are, that are spoken there, that are given to us. And so let's go ahead and read the wisdom that, was from King, that God imparted upon King Solomon and it comes here in chapter 10, and, and so let's go ahead and read the chapter, and then we'll go ahead and uh, just break it down verse by verse. 
That way, the Lord can speak to us. The Lord can mature us. The Lord can just transform us by the power of his word. It says there, Now when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very good retinue, with camels that bore spices, with very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in his heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it, it, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes and Indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting on you the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made your king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. All the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house and also harps and string instruments for singers. There never again came such almug wood nor has the like been seen to this day. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. You know, we're going to stop here because this is where we're going to spend most of our time and we're going to examine to see scriptures as it speaks to us about wisdom. And as we read this here, I'm going to give you four points on wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom and the four points that the Lord desires that we would know and understand as we apply these things to our life. And as we look at this, remember this, that the, God, the wisdom that we receive is a God-given wisdom. And remember this, that the earthly wisdom that we have never amounts to anything. It never amounts to anything. And this is why... Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.25, he says there, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. As we see here, even what man thinks to be foolish in God, Paul says it is wiser than men. Even the weakness of God, it is stronger than men. And I share this with you just so that you have an understanding of, of this wisdom that comes from God and can only come from God as we read about this divine wisdom that was imparted upon Solomon's life by the Lord himself. And so let's go ahead and read verse 1. It says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. I want to share this with you. Where is Sheba? Where does this queen come from? It's about twelve to 1,500 miles southeast of Israel. 
It is in modern-day Yemen, there in Arabia, okay? And so it's south, down south, and so she comes out 12 to 1,500 miles. And what's the purpose of her visiting King Solomon? It's to hear his wisdom. It says there in the Bible that she wants to test him with hard questions and also to see his wealth, as we read there in verse 7 of 1 Kings 10, 7. And this was the purpose that she came, for his wisdom and to see his wealth. Think about this, right? We have a queen here. She's heard of his wisdom, right? And so she comes to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when we think about wisdom, what is wisdom? I want you to understand that wisdom is judging correctly based on the facts that you know. You judge accurately. You judge correctly. It's able to discern both good and evil. That's what wisdom is. It's able to discern both good and evil. It's able to judge accurately, correctly, based on the facts that you know. And why is this the case? Because God has imparted this wisdom. That's why we could discern good and evil. This is why we can judge correctly based on the facts that we know. It's divine wisdom. It doesn't come from us. It comes from above. And I want to give you the first point here because as we read here in verse 1 that this queen, this royalty comes 12 to 1,500 miles up to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So what's my first point? My first point is this. Divine wisdom attracts people. Divine wisdom attracts people. Let me share this with you. Something about wisdom, it will bring people to you. And we're not talking about human wisdom. We're not talking about earthly wisdom. Yes, people go and pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to hear the wisdom of man, and it never heals them. It never cures them. They could go to all these counselors, to these psychiatrists, but it never amounts to anything. They may get comforted for that very hour, but that's about it. The problems don't go away. The issues don't go away. But when you have God-given wisdom, people will come to you looking for answers, just like the Queen of Sheba did with Solomon. See, when you think about this, right, when you think about this very point that I'm making, why wouldn't God-given divine wisdom attract people to you? See, people are a mess out there. And they need God-given guidance. They need God-given wisdom. I remember when I was still working, when I was working at BMW, the corporation, and, and I remember I would, you know, as I would go out and visit the accounts that I had, the various dealerships, I remember people would bring me to the side and they begin to ask me for advice. They begin to ask me for counsel. It wasn't that I promoted it in any way. It was, again, this... God-given wisdom that was just bringing people to me. And I can say the same for all of you. I'm sure that you have people, family members, asking you for advice, asking you for counsel. They want to know what you have to say. They want to know what you have to offer because they've seen your life. They've seen your changes. They've seen you speak. They know that there's something about you that's different, that's not like the rest of the world, the way you think, the way you act, the way you respond. And so they come to you asking for counsel. They come to you because they are attracted to this divine wisdom. 
If they're not asking you for counsel, if they're not asking you for advice, and you know, it's time to begin to walk in no longer as a secret agent for God, but as a minister of God. Begin to share, begin to talk about the Lord, begin to share, you know, what God has, you know, what God is doing, the, 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 the insight that God has given you, the wealth of knowledge that he has given you. Let me give you the spiritual test of wisdom. The spiritual test of wisdom is this. It comes from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay? Remember what I said. It's the spiritual test of wisdom. If you have the fear of the Lord, then you have a good chance of possessing wisdom. Remember that. See, the fear of the Lord, what does it do to you? It makes you walk in holiness. It makes you walk in obedience. You know what? I don't want to sin against God. It's horrible to fall into the hands of an angry God, and, and I know that. And so why would I not fear Him? For those of us that know God and are walking in disobedience or are walking on the edge or on the fence, there's no fear. I believe, as many others believe, that when you look at the church today, there is a lack of fear of God. I don't think they see God for who He is. I don't think they have a reverence for God. And so because there is no reverence, because there is no fear, then what do they do? They practice sin. They walk in sin. They don't have fear for God. And because of that, of course, they're not going to have the wisdom of God, even though they call themselves Christians, even though they're saying, yeah, you know what, I'm a Christian. How many people say that? You know what, I'm a Christian. And yet look at their lives or, or look at what they say and look at what they do. And people don't go to them for advice. They don't go for, to them for counsel. Why? Because they, are, they, don't possess the, they don't have the fear of God. And of course, if they have no fear, then they're going to have no wisdom. And I want to reveal another important truth to you. Just because someone is smart doesn't mean they have wisdom. Remember that. There are a lot of intelligent people that lack what? Wisdom. How many of you have met smart people, but yet the choices they make, their personal lives are a mess, but yet they're super smart. Yeah, they can tell you all these facts, right? And you think to yourself, man, how did that guy retain all that knowledge? But yet their life is a mess. They're getting a divorce. You know what? They're losing their jobs. They're just, you know what? Things are happening to them because they don't know how to walk in wisdom. Their lives are a mess. As we keep reading on it there in verse 2, it goes on to say, She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, which is a great company of people, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So the queen, she comes with a great company. She comes with a caravan of camels bearing lots of spices. She has much gold. She has much precious stones, jewels. Let me remind you, this lady was no poor queen. Her nation was rich. And when she arrives, she reveals her heart to Solomon. 
In other words, what she wants to share with Solomon is that she wants to share her mind. Why? Because she wants to test him, right? These are the things that are in my mind, and how can you guide me? What can you share with me about these things? And so immediately we are told by the writer here in verse 3, he says, So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. Imagine this. Solomon had the answers. He was able to judge correctly. In other words, nothing was too difficult for him. Which brings me to my second point. Remember this. Second point is this. Divine wisdom has answers for all. Divine wisdom has answers for all. See, the wisdom of God will give you the correct answers to all matters. See, what's so amazing about God is that when someone presents a question or presents a situation or has an issue or seeking counsel, remember this, when somebody does that, what do you immediately do? You know, when somebody says, you know what, can I ask you something, Pastor? You know what's the first thing that goes through my mind? Lord, impart your wisdom. Give me your wisdom to answer. Even though my lips are not audibly speaking that, but when somebody asks me something, that's the first thing that I ask. Lord, I need your wisdom. Why do I need his wisdom? Because they're seeking questions. They're seeking counsel. I don't want to give what I have to share. I want to give what God has to share. I want to give them what God's word has to say. See, God's word has all the answers that we need. See, This is why it's so important for all of us to be going through the Word of God. So that you have the answers for people. Why? Because the Word of God has answers for all things. It has answers for all issues, for all questions. It's the Word of God that gives it to us. This is why in Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 it says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Imagine that. Speaking of Jesus Christ, it's saying, it's saying of him that in whom, in Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, this is all the wisdom we need. And when we have a fear of the Lord, and as we ask the Lord for wisdom, as we're in his word, you know what, we're able to give out now this divine wisdom to others. Why do you think Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet, a light to my path. See, the Word of God has everything that we need to know. Everything in life. Everything that life presents, everything that life gives us, the answers are in the Word of God. And if you're in the Word of God and you're reading the Word of God and the Spirit of God is dwelling within you, He brings these things to our minds. And this is how we're able to To share the wisdom of God. Again, not sharing our wisdom because we have no wisdom to offer. This is why we made our lives a mess, right? But yet God, God doesn't make our lives a mess. What does God do with our lives? He makes them new again. We become trophies of his grace. Our lives are blessed by the Lord. As we keep reading on in verse 4, it says this. It says, so, 
And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. That's an interesting description, right, of the queen of Sheba. There was no more spirit within her. In other words, she couldn't hold back. She said, this is way too much for me. She says, after hearing your wisdom, after seeing the house that you built for yourself, after seeing and eating the food on the table, imagine what kind of food Solomon would have had. Think about that, right? Exotic food, exquisite food. How many of you have been to those fancy restaurants where they serve you some amazing food? You know what, when I used to work at, at BMW, you know, I've shared with some of you how, you know what, the Lord had just placed me in a position where I just, he elevated me and, and you know what, and, and he just made me, you know, to become the, the top field guy for BMW here in the U.S., and so I was winning all these trips, right? I would go to all these fancy places, to Europe, to, you know what, to Italy, to South America. And when I would go to these places, they would serve us, right? Because not only did I go, but they would send others there. And they would serve us these seven-course meals. You know, the cold appetizers, uh, the soup, and then the hot appetizer, then the salad, and of course the main course, then the... The, the dessert and then the latte and you know what? All these fancy foods, right? It was good stuff. And I'd be like, man. I remember some of these trips, right, that, that they gave me that, that, you know what, that allow, the Lord allowed, that the Lord blessed me with. I remember they would give me a 1099. And, of course, for us at, as an employee, we would only be charged half of it. But some of these were between fifteen and 20000 Dollar trips. So I could imagine, and as I read this, it reminded me of, of you know what, what she would have seen there, right? Because King Solomon was the, you know what, he was the richest man. No one else had wealth like King Solomon. And to think, you know what, what foods he would have presented. She saw the seating of the servants. She saw the service of the waiters. She saw the way they dressed. She saw the cupbearers, in other words, the butlers. She saw the entryway to the temple, how amazingly beautiful it was. And the wisdom and the wealth that, she, that, that Solomon had, she said, you know what, this is way too much for me. She couldn't hold back. You know, and as we read this, we get the insight into the palace life, the insight that the writer wanted to give us. Which leads me to my third point. Divine wisdom brings praise. What do I mean by this? Divine wisdom from above brings praise. People are astonished by your wisdom. You know what? People are just like, wow, they're blown away by the wisdom that comes from us, right? But I want to make sure that we're very clear on this point. Don't ever get prideful with that wisdom. Don't ever think that, you know what, that, wow, you know what, I'm able to answer appropriately. Let me remind you, your answers are not your answers. They're answers from God. They're His words. So what is it that we can be prideful with? 
See, this is important for us to understand because, see, when you begin to share the word of God and people are trusting your counsel and they're trusting your guidance, remember, it's nothing that you're doing. It's the spirit of God working in and through you. And it is his word that is spoken through you. And when you begin to realize that it is God that does it all, then there's nothing to be prideful in. The only thing that you can ever have is it's just, you know what, the, the gratitude that God has poured out his grace upon you. And he's decided to give you this wisdom. See, when you begin to think that it's your words and it's your wisdom, then you're ready for a fall. And immediately, God's not going to impart wisdom because he rejects what? The proud. This is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 29, he says, That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We got a glory in him. It's him that receives the glory. We don't share any glory with him. We as people cannot share any glory with him. Whatever you do, don't ever let it get to your head. Whatever talents you have, don't ever think that they are your natural born talents. These are God-given talents. Any gifts that you have, they're from God. And this is what I love about the, about the Lord because he's revealed this to me. And he's revealed it to all of you that everything that you have, everything that you possess, it is from God. It's the grace of God. It's the blessings from God. God desires to rain his grace upon you. He desires to give you gifts. He desires to give you talents. He desires to give you possessions. He desires to bless you. And there's nothing to boast in. The only thing we glory in is glory in the Lord. As we move on to verse 6, it says this. Then she said to the king, It was a true report, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and your prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Let me share this with you. The queen shares her heart. She says, you know what? I heard about your words. I mean, about your wealth. I heard about your wisdom. However, I didn't believe it. I thought, no way. He, he doesn't possess all these things. He doesn't have what I heard. But yet, she says, it exceeds what I heard. That which I didn't believe exceeds. Imagine that. So I didn't believe it. But now what I see exceeds even what I didn't believe. Imagine the high expectation. I mean, the, the high regard and the great things they were saying. And she's also saying, you know what? Even the great things that they were saying about you, this exceeds even that greatness. She begins to praise his wisdom. Verse 8 goes on to say, happy are your Men and happy are these, your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. She says, you know what? What a privilege for those who serve you. All of these servants. All that they hear from you daily. Imagine that they're hearing these things daily from you. Imagine the wisdom that they're getting. 
You know, this past week, we were at the Pastors and Leaders Conference there for Calvary Chapel, for the Calvary Chapels, Calvary Chapel Association. And they, you know what, you had a lot of the board members, those that were just the Timothys to, to Pastor Chuck, and, and they began to share, you know what, how much wisdom that Pastor Chuck had shared with them. All the years of experience, they were learning it firsthand. They didn't have to go through all those years of experience. And what's so amazing is this, is that, you know what, as they shared all the wisdom and they began to share it with us. You know what, so that we can receive this wisdom so that we don't have to spend years and years trying to attain some of these things, yet they were already given to us. You know, for me, I, and I don't know if I shared this, I think I have, but I'll tell you this, I'm extremely blessed, extremely blessed beyond what I don't think maybe I can convey. See, my regional, it's, as many of you know, is Pastor Raw. And so on a weekly basis, I spend time with him. We, we do, the pastors do. And, and what he does is he imparts to all of us just what he's been taught by Chuck, by Pastor Chuck. And so this is the blessing that we all get. See, just to be a part of the Calvary Chapel, I want you to know this. It's a blessing. I want you all to know how privileged it is for all of you to be under a Calvary Chapel. You may not realize this, and believe me, there's some that have gone to non-Calvaries, and then they immediately come back. Why does this happen? See, you're so privileged in having the systematic teaching that you have. You get the whole counsel of God. You get verse-by-verse verse teaching. We give you the word. We read a verse. We, ex we explain the verse, and then we illustrate the verse. There's few churches that do that out there. We're not the only ones that do it, but there's others that do it. But this is a part of who you are. This is a part of what we are. This is the type of teaching that you get. And this type of teaching is what matures you. See, systematic teaching is what matures you. It's what grows you. See, topical teaching, there's nothing wrong with topical teaching, but topical teaching doesn't really mature you. Because they don't cover everything that's in the Bible. See, we are, have no choice because we go through the Bible that we have to cover everything that's in the Bible and we have to explain to you everything that's in the Bible. And this is why it's an honor and a privilege. And when you get the full counsel of God, what do you get with the word? You get the wisdom, don't you? The wisdom of the word. The wisdom from God. The recipients of wisdom. Let's keep reading verse 9. It goes on to say, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Let me share this about the Queen of Sheba. There is no evidence that this woman ever became a believer. 
There's no evidence. There's nothing that tells us that she ever became a believer. But what we do see is that seeds were planted. Why do I say seeds were planted? Because she acknowledged that God had placed Solomon on the throne. It was God that placed him to do justice and righteousness. She said that God loved Israel so much. And this was shown by the king that he placed over Israel. This wisdom. To have such a wise king means that God loves you, so, Israel so much that he gave you this king. And she acknowledged God. This is my fourth point, my fourth and final point here. Divine wisdom points people to God. Divine wisdom points people to God. And what do I mean by this? Whenever you give wisdom from above, it's always an open door to give God the glory. See, to plant seeds with non-believers, they marvel at the wisdom you give which means you have an opportunity to point them to the Lord. See, whenever you share, right, you're always, I mean, whenever, someone, whenever you're sharing something or you, you're sharing your thoughts or you're sharing wisdom, when somebody says, you know what, man, that was, you know what, I thank you. You know, thank you for that wisdom. Thank you for the things you shared with me. What do you do? Do you just say, oh, yeah, I take it. Yeah, thank you. You know what, you're welcome. I know, you know what, I, I'm filled with wisdom, I know. I hope you don't say that. But what you're supposed to say is, you know what? This is God-given. It's not me that gives it to you. It's wisdom from above. This is wisdom from God. Remember, your life is a testimony for God. How you speak, how you think, it has all been refined by God. And if you're humble enough to let them know that it was God who gave you the wisdom, it will point people to God. Don't ever forget, as it says in Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's God-given wisdom. It's not our wisdom. That's why we're not supposed to be puffed up. This is why we're not supposed to be, you know, taking it all in and saying, you know what? Yes, I have wisdom. Absolutely, you have no wisdom. Your wisdom made your life a mess. That's why you needed God to come into your life. important to point people to the Lord and then verse 10 goes on to say then she gave the king 120 talents of gold spices in great quantity and precious stones there never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon she gave 9,000 pounds of gold Great quantity in stones. Never again did the king receive such spices from the queen, it says. She was just so grateful, so blown away by the wisdom that he had. She just said, you know what? Take all these things. Verse 11 goes on to say, Also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, and also harps and string instruments for singers. There never again, again came such almug wood, nor has like been seen to this day. You know, tells us that sh the ships from Hiran, the king of Tyre, they were bringing gold. The quantities of almug wood, which is sandalwood, it's 
dark on the outside and it's ruby red on the inside and it's very strong wood. And the writer reminds us that this sandalwood was used for the steps of the temple and the king's house. And it was also used for these instruments. You know what? And I, I questioned that. You know, I said, well, what is, what do they use? What, well, how do they make instruments today? They don't use sandalwood or wood anymore. They use different types of wood. And so as we see, it says they're not to this day. It's no longer used. Verse 13 goes on to say, Now King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what King Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Solomon gave her whatever she wanted, and she returned home. And now we're just going to go through this quickly because it just reveals uh, the wealth of Solomon. We read about the wisdom. Parts of it gave us some, some wealth that he had, but now it's going to give us complete insight as to the wealth that he had. Verse 14 says, The weight of gold that came from Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country. On a yearly basis, during the reign of Solomon, 25 tons of gold was coming in. 25 tons of gold. This is a lot of gold. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars that was coming in. And this didn't include the gold from the merchants and the traders. This didn't include the gifts from kings. This didn't include the governors of the land that taxed the people. This was the, the, the amount of gold that was coming in. And then verse 16 says, And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minus of gold went into each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. 200 shields of gold wearing Weighing 15 pounds. That's what he made. 200 shields of gold. Just think of these. Shields of gold. He made them straight out of gold. 15 pounds. Then he says 300 smaller shields weighing 4 pounds. And he placed them there in his house, in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Verse 18 goes on to say this. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps. And the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the palace of the seat. And two lions stood besides the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. This doesn't compare. No one else did what Solomon did. He said he made himself an ivory throne. Imagine this, an ivory throne. And then on top of that, he overlaid it with gold. And then to the throne, there were six steps. And then there was a seat on top, and it had an armrest. And besides the armrest, there was two lions. And on the steps, there were 12 lions, six on each side. And let's keep reading about his wealth. Uh, verse 21 says, All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Can you believe that? All of his vessels, all of his drinking vessels, all the cups. Imagine all the cups in your house if they were pure gold. I remember back in the 80s, I think it was. Remember they used to make those cups with, 
gold in there. Anyone have those cups? No, those glass cups? Okay, someone knows what I'm talking about. But imagine these. These cups were all gold. Imagine that. Every drinking cup was, was made of gold. And he goes on to say that silver was what? It was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Imagine today if silver's worth money. Imagine in those days it's nothing. Verse 22 goes on to say, For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. Imagine that. He had these merchant ships. And every three years, they brought gold, silver, ivory, and they would bring animals. Apes and monkeys. He loved these exotic animals. It is believed that Solomon actually had a zoo. And he would collect all of these animals and he would put them in the zoo. This is why he could write about the animals. I don't know if you've ever seen, as you read the book of Proverbs, right? He talks about these animals and you're thinking to yourself, where does he get this wisdom? Read the book of Proverbs and he says, he talks about animals. He had these animals. That's why he can talk about them, right? They were brought into him. Amazing wealth that this man had. Again, it was what? What God had promised. Verse 23, it reminds us of this. It says, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Remember what God had promised. You know what? You're going to receive all these riches, all this wisdom. Verse 24 goes on to say, now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Everybody coming to Solomon, everyone coming. They want to hear this wisdom. They want answers to their problems. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. In other words, everyone who came would bring them gifts. They would bring them gifts. And then verse 28 goes on to, I'm sorry, verse 26 goes on to say, And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. So he had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses stationed in these cities. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. Imagine that. And he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Trees and silver. Also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kivay. The king's merchants brought them in Kivay at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. And thus through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So what did he begin to do? He began, he began to buy and sell horses. Remember what, they, what the Lord said about horses? You know what he said to them? He says, you know what? Don't multiply horses for yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14 through 17. I'll read it to you quickly. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wise for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. 
And the reason I share this with you is because Solomon began to do that now. Was he obedient to the Lord? He began to walk in disobedience. See, this is what happens when we start losing our focus on God. When our eyes are off of God, we put our eyes on the world and we put our eyes on the things of the world and we start craving the things of the world. This happens to everybody. Take your eyes off of Jesus and your eyes are on something else. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, believe me, our eyes are going to be on something else and we're going to crave those things. Look at what Solomon said. Even he, as he wrote this, what time period he wrote this, I don't know. But Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. He had great treasure. Did it finally bring him trouble? But better is a little with the fear of the Lord. Ecclesiastics, it says this over and over again. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Ecclesiastics 1-2. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. This was Solomon. He called himself the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Giving you a perspective on things. Let's think about this, right? You know, God is also giving me a perspective, right? Why are we going after the things of the world? If he's coming back soon, are you going to take anything with you? If the rapture comes, are you going to be holding on to your house and everything else? Giving us a proper perspective on things. The wisdom from God. See, Solomon, he lost it all. We're going to read about this next week. We're going to read how he just turns from the Lord. Imagine, God appeared to him twice. He saw God himself. He heard the voice of God. And yet he allowed riches, wealth, women to take him down. In closing, I want to talk about the grace of God. I need to share the grace of God. When we think about this, right? The grace of God wants to impart the wisdom of God. See, what's so crazy about all of this is that you and I, even though we don't deserve it, can have the wisdom of God. Our sinful nature, the fact that we disobey God, the fact that we wanted nothing with God, when we make a decision for God, the grace of God falls upon us and he gives you his wisdom. This is what's so amazing about God. There's nothing that compares to God and his grace. And I want to remind you of this. See, when we think about God's grace to give us wisdom, to give us his insight on things, to give us, you know what, this, this wisdom that can only come from him and even though we don't deserve it, he's still willing to give. Look at what he tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5. 
If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What does this speak of? The grace of God. You want it? You ask. But if you disobey, if you have no fear, forget it. You make a choice. I'm willing to give you everything you need. Will you choose me? You want wisdom? You're going to follow me? You're going to obey me? I will give it to you without hesitation. We all need the wisdom of God. But let us walk in holiness. Let us walk in purity. Let us walk in the fear of the Lord. And when we walk in fear, it is the beginning of wisdom. The wisdom will fall upon us. It will work in and it will work through us. And this is what's so amazing. And with that, we'll close.